Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have with me Martin uh, Knucklehead Willis. Well, I was wondering when it was going to be this time. Knucklehead. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that fits with our conversation. Yeah. Exactly. You were just talking about yeah. some knucklehead things you did, and uh, yeah. and I thought that was kind of funny. So why not call you a knucklehead this yeah. time? I mean, there's when you're doing a show, there's this thing called record. You're supposed to push that button. Yeah. 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 Well, you yeah. forgot to do that. I've kind forgotten forgot. to do that yeah. before. I've done a whole. Uh, I don't remember who it was with. I think the first time I did that might have been with Grant Cameron, uh, where <laughs> we did the whole show and then we had to do it over again. Luckily, Grant and I, especially back then, talked a lot more, and uh, and he was really cool with it. So I got lucky. Well, Grant loves to talk. You know, I mean, he can put out 5,000 words in two hours. Yeah. He really. But he didn't I really do that with us once we did a whole beginning and I forgot to record? I do recall. So Something you're like a knucklehead, that. too. I am a knucklehead. Yep. Takes one to know one. But uh, yeah, yeah, just so that's some behind the scenes with podcasting and other podcasters probably have similar stories. If you do, you can share that with us. Uh, but, uh, which is funny when people do these podcasts and then forget to record. Wah, wah. Yeah. Wah. All right. So let's get into a couple things. Let's get into the show. Uh, you're listening to UFO, Open Mind UFO Radio, where we cover, uh, news in credible UFO news in a journalistic manner. So we cover, cover the substantiated, you know, credible information. And if it's, if it's more speculative, like, like last week's show, we'll share that with you, you know, that it's, if the information is anecdotal or, or, or more sketchy. Um, so we'll let you know about that. The beginning of the show is news. So we talk about the latest UFO news of the week. And then the last two segments are the interview. So if you're here because you saw the, the name on the interview and you're like, oh, I want to hear that interview. Feel free to skip ahead. However, you're going to miss some of the great news because there's always UFO news. So we cover the headlines that are out there. And there always is, is some exciting headlines. I do also want to say, and I forget to do this uh, too often, thank you so much to my Patreon patrons. So, of course, you can go on there. It's a way for you to say, hey, I support you and give me, you know, as, as much as as little as a dollar a month or or more. And uh, anything's appreciated because, as Martin can uh, attest to, it's expensive to do this. And, you know, we're taking time away from other uh, jobs and stuff we could do that pays money. And, and in fact, I might have to start looking for a job. I might have to reduce some of my UFO stuff. So, uh, in fact, oh, if you oh. need a PR person or a corporate trainer or something like that and have a cool job, especially in Southern California, because I want to move out to Southern California soon. Uh, let wow. me know, or something that can be remote. If you think, "Hey, man, I, I, Alejandro would be perfect for this job," let me know. Otherwise, 
Uh, I do want to thank my recent patrons. So many of you are joining, and I like you know uh, a dollar a month is I. Thank you so much, even for anything you can do. I'm so, so grateful. So I want to thank Kim, Kevin, uh, Jamie, Ron, April, uh, Frode, uh, Mark, Corey, Mark, uh, Robert, and Matt. Thank you so much, some of my more recent patrons. Uh, thanks for helping out. Yeah. Yep, very Excellent. nice. So the interview this week, I'm very excited about this interview because it's a good buddy that I haven't interviewed for a while, and that is Chuck Zukowski. So any oh, yeah. of you longtime listeners, in fact, even though it's been a while, he was one of the people I interviewed early on quite a bit because he was kind of my you know paranormal investigation buddy. So uh, we would talk quite often. And uh, in fact, I was one of the first to interview him about all this alien highway stuff. But now he's got a TV show on a travel channel called Alien Highway, huh. where it's him, his son, and uh, this this uh, woman who used to be part of Paranormal State, and uh, Heather Taddy. So she's a paranormal investigator. Many of you, Paranormal State ran for a long time. That was a good uh, ghost hunting show. But uh, so Heather is with the group, and so I interviewed uh, Chuck Zukowski and Heather about this new show hopefully you've been been enjoying it it's pretty good uh pretty interesting and they are making some uh new discoveries here and there on the show i think every episode maybe one episode they didn't find out anything new but on the others they did so it's a great show Mm -hmm. chuck's a lot of fun so a really fun interview yeah yeah have you interviewed chuck I believe I have. The UFO I nut. I believe I have. It was, it was uh, quite a while ago, if I recall. Mm-hmm. But oh. I would say that there's over a 50% chance that I did. Yeah, probably. And he'll be at the UFO Congress. You'll be able to meet him there. All He's right. always a lot of fun. So he'll be at the Congress. In fact, I was just at AlienCon uh, last weekend, and his sister was there, Linda. So his sisters have gotten involved with all of this. His whole family is starting to get involved with this. It's so funny. And, of course, his sister, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, she is one of the board members of uh, MUFON, and she was a state director in uh, Missouri, and we've had her on the show a few times. But Debbie's great, too. Awesome. Great. So that is the show. Um but getting into UFO news. So you and I always talk about UFO news. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, I think this is a this is really great, I think. Uh, meet okay. Silicon Valley's or Silicon Valley's UFO hunters. And it's about us. Mm. It's in uh, vice.com uh, motherboard uh, tech by vice. Um, so you can find that online, and it's about a group of venture capitalists and technologists believe that humans can capture and reverse engineer UFOs, and uh, that uh, trying to do so might be a good investment. Did you can see you who believe the that venture is? capitalists are getting into this? Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. So, did you uh, see who the anyway, author of the article is? Um. Oh, MJ. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? I did Uh miss that. Yeah. That's great. All right. So MJ is someone that Martin and I interview. Um, He is kind of into the sociological side of things. Very interesting young man. And, uh, you know, he's been on both of our shows recently even. That's right. Yeah. So he goes on to say with U.S. 
uh, Navy pilots coming forward to talk about their encounters with anomalous aerial vehicles. UFO hunters are starting to feel vindicated, and the cross-section of technologists who are also UFO enthusiasts believe that they not only exist, but we can make significant scientific breakthroughs by studying them. So I may pronounce this gentleman's first name wrong, Wizlan uh, Verk. Um, he runs a Play Labs at MIT. He is also a Silicon Valley entrepreneur, angel investor, author of the Simulation Hypothesis. And he finds UFOs compelling as a te technologist and scientist. And here's a quote by him. I'm interested in the phenomenon because I believe mainstream science may have only discovered 5% of the truth about reality. And the other 95% is still out there in an interview. Um, I agree with that. I think there's just so much to know that we don't know, you know, just for what we can experience. For one thing, you think about it, you know, we the spectrum that we actually see in is very small. And what we see around us and know what that's around us um, is just a fraction of what's really happening. And I've also wondered, you know, I'm going off a little bit on a tangent here, but I've also wondered uh, as technology grows, are we going to see more and more? You know, we're seeing these UFO encounters with the Navy because of new technology. So, uh, but anyway, it's always, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, I think and, that... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, or did you have, were, were you continuing? Well, you know, there's some other things in this article. It's a great article. Mm -hmm. I encourage uh, anyone to check it out. And uh, and it will be... Uh, it will be up on your uh, website, is that correct? Yeah. So the front page yeah. of openminds.tv. Yeah, great article. I'm so excited that MJ is writing for Vice. This is his uh, second UFO story, I believe, uh, on Vice, So, which is really cool. It's a good outlet. Gets a lot of eyeballs. But it is really interesting, these guys looking into uh, writing about or, or you know, trying to um, discover what technology they can develop off of observations of ufos there's others of course that's the inspiration for robert bigelow who was the guy who you know um, created bigelow aerospace and mm -hmm. did paranormal investigations for years in fact he was part of the he was contracted by the pentagon to do ufo investigations um some of the people at mufon so for instance in a couple weeks is a mufon symposium and we'll be there with a table uh but the uh one of the speakers is John Schusler, who was a mentor of mine because he was in charge wow. of MUFON when I joined MUFON and was was helping with the board and everything. And he, uh, just so anybody doesn't know, that's a mutual UFO network, kind of the largest civilian UFO investigation organization. And he was also inspired by the same thing to get involved. So was Bob Wood, an engineer who's also part of the MUFON board. And essentially, you know, back in the day, like Schuster worked for NASA. He would, I think at Johnston Space Center, have these paper lunch, uh, you know, uh, sack lunch meetings where you could come in and eat lunch and he would talk about UFOs at NASA. But this was mm -hmm. kind of all of their interest, which is really interesting. So there's a couple follow-up stories that are related, too. So another story that came out this week is from Tyler Rogaway, who we've been talking about pretty much weekly because he's been covering all of this stuff and he's a defense writer for the war zone. He wrote another article with Brett Tingley. And in this article, he's talking about patents. So along the lines, there oh, yeah. are some patents out there 
uh, regarding technology that is extremely advanced, theoretical, and could uh, be essentially what some of these people believe the UFO uh, UFOs are using. Now, what's interesting about this article is these are patents that were placed by the Navy. And in mm-hmm. some of these patents, they are inspired by some of the work of Hal Putoff. And that's important because they've kind of been inspired by ATIP, by this Pentagon UFO project. Hal Putoff was one of the contractors who worked with Bigelow and wrote these papers for this ATIP project, which was kind of theorizing around how UFOs might be able to fly or technologies might be able to be developed. Well, this gentleman, Dr. Salvatore Cesar Pais, uh, is an engineer and a scientist with the Navy, and he has uh, put in these patents for these different technologies. And essentially, Tyler Rogaway is covering it, and he's saying uh, uh, that these patents, what he discovered is the patents were essentially kind of silly. They were uh, theoretical, but that the technologies that are mentioned in them are just not even close. We're not even nowhere near even being able to figure out if these sort of things could work at all. And usually you don't get a patent for something like that. But there was a... Yeah, that's uh, right. uh So there was a petition by uh, one of the officers in the Navy, um, a chief technical officer, who said, hey, uh, the Chinese are already working on this and we're doing experiments that will show some of this is legit. That's why you need to issue these patents. And it worked. So they went forward with these patents and uh, so it's, it's a really interesting situation. They're saying the Chinese are working on this, but we don't know. Another guy who's into UFOs, and this is related to MJ's story too, because his name is Deep Prasad. He is a physicist. Um, he's gotten more involved with online conversations about UFOs. He's been following us. He'll probably listen to this show But he is a Silicon Valley guy. I mean, he's a startup guy. He's young. He's just a, uh, he's a, uh, uh, like 23 years old, but he's very, very intelligent and uh, has created these companies, startup companies on different technology. But he's essentially one of the guys that MJ Story is about, one of these young guys who is in startups trying to get started. Now, he says, again, what he finds significant about Tyler's story about these patents, Tyler Rogoway's story in the war zone, is that he says these patents are ridiculous. They never should have been passed because the technology Ugh. is so advanced. Uh, well, it's it's so theoretical, and some parts of it are definitely wrong and, and not possible. And even if some of these things could be achieved, the amount of, of power that would be required is astronomical literally on the level of like what a star could produce he even invokes this oh. uh k theory this theory that um that michio kaku talks to you where uh an advanced civilization there's a type one a type two a type oh, one yeah. essentially can harness the power of the sun and how we're not even close to a type one but if these patents were to work we would have to be a type two society which is hundreds if not thousands of years in the future But Mm -hmm. he makes this point, which I think is important, is if they are submitting these patents and the Navy is doing this, it indicates that the Navy either believes the Chinese are working on this and some of these objects are Chinese or are Chinese. He thinks that's probably highly unlikely 
Because, you know, like we said, we're not a type 2 civilization and neither are the Chinese. They're back there with us, less than a type 1. But that it demonstrates the Navy is taking this very seriously and that they believe that these objects are there, that this technology as it exists and it's being exhibited in these objects that are being observed. So he believes that the that the mainstream media and the Silicon Valley and, and scientists need to take this more seriously, that this demonstrates that the Navy's all in. They believe that this is happening. These technologies exist. And Deep is saying, yes, these technologies, he also believes, do exist. So if they exist, we really need to take it more seriously and figure out who the heck is flying them and how they work. Uh, so essentially, wow. he's saying this this demonstrates even more than anything that the Navy is taking this UFO um, situation seriously. There is potentially some scientific um, uh, discoveries that could be made and that we all need to be working together to figure this out. I think it's really interesting. It really is. And also, one of their patents talks about a uh, lack of water skin friction if this thing was underwater. In other words, um, you know, by uh, it could move through either air, space, water, mediums. Um, I think uh, Elizondo talked about the, the, the mediums um, in one of his talks. And by being enclosed in basically a vacuum plasma bubble sheath and uh, coupled with effects of EM field-induced air and water particles, repulsion and vacuum energy polarization. I mean, it's really fascinating to even picture that something can move through water, air, and space all at the same speeds. Right, um, and that's what's great know. about these articles, because I'm certainly no scientist, um, even though I'm, I'm a science enthusiast and I understand some things, but certainly not to the degree of all of this. But Tyler Rokaway got into it, and Deep gets into it even further, talking about just what you're talking about. This, uh, where they can kind of create these these magnetic fields using, like, superconductors that, that work at room temperature. and uh, But he talks about how that technology that you just described would take so much energy uh, yes, in the so manner okay. in which wow. these patents are talking about that it's not realistic at all. I mean, it, it would be, it would rip apart our planet if we were able to harness that kind of energy <laughs> in the manner that these patents talk about. Uh, so that's wow. why the, he feels, you know, that it's preposterous, which kind of just demonstrates how we just don't get it. We just do not understand how they do what they do. Um, there's something that we just are not understanding, which makes sense if they're what? really advanced yeah. compared to what we have. The only thing I can think of that could have that type of energy is antimatter. You know, I mean, that that is antimatter don't, don't is supposed try. to be... Don't even try. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'm because not I'm try. far from being a scientist yeah. myself. But it's it, you know, I just can't imagine. You know, when you're talking about that type of energy, possibly there is a way to harness that type of energy that we just can't even fathom at this point. Or it might not even be about harnessing the energy, or a different type of energy, or some type, some way tapping into energy in a different way, or uh, or a technology that doesn't uh -huh. even use that amount of energy. It could be something completely yeah. different that we just don't get, which is probably it, that we just do not get it. So, a workaround. Um, 
Yeah. But it's exciting. What's exciting is like Rogue Away makes a point and people get frustrated with Rogue Away because he keeps entertaining and working towards this idea. Maybe it's Chinese or Russian. We have to do that. Mm -hmm. It's good that he's doing that. But then he'll interview people and be like, well, there's no way it could be Chinese or Russian. So he's doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is examining what the heck this all could be. And um, so it's exciting to see Deep and these Silicon Valley guys all going off of the premise that, hey, it's no longer in question whether these technologies exist or are out there and we're observing Mm -hmm. them. They do exist. We are observing them. We need to figure out what they are. So it's such a huge step, you know, compared to just denying that it exists at all, uh, that it's really just such a interesting paradigm shift, you know, in thought. Hmm. Absolutely. Pretty exciting stuff. So um, the the latest episode of Unidentified uh, covered the the nukes, the nuclear, um, you know, UFOs around nuclear facilities. And I think that's really interesting that they went there. I, I, it makes me wonder though, um, does, does this mean that they're kind of now doing new research, uh, to the stars, which hmm. Lou Elizondo is part of and unidentified is covering, or is this stuff from the past? And I think that is not necessarily clear if, you know, did the Pentagon look at these things? If so, what did they discover? I mean, those are some questions I think would be interesting in this episode. Uh, and you, the, the uh, History Channel put up a story. Why have there been so many UFO uh, sightings near nuclear facilities? And so they kind of cover this and they cover some of Robert Hastings stuff. Robert Hastings doesn't trust television, so he won't work with TV shows. Uh, but uh, Robert Hastings is a guy who's kind of focused on all this stuff and is kind of the, the expert mm-hmm. on all of this in a credible way. He's great. But um, yeah. they also, in this episode, they cover you know some of the more well-known cases and they cover Rendlesham. Now, they got the timeline wrong. On Rendlesham, which I thought was interesting, they got some a really mixed up on when hap- what happened when, but they did have Charles Halt and they had John Burroughs, and the aspect that they tackled, which you don't see, and I don't think any other show has tackled, is the physical effects. So they covered mm-hmm. how John Burroughs had uh, some medical issues. He believes stems from his uh, his encounter with the UFO in 1980. And that uh, at the Rendlesham Forest, you'll have to look it up if you if you don't know. Of course, we've had Burroughs on. We've broke a lot of this news, or at least covered it thoroughly back in the day. Uh, and Charles Halt. But um, essentially, you know, when he went to the VA to say, hey, I think I have some medical issues stemming from something that happened when I was in the service. They came back to him and said, well, your records don't show you were in the Air Force at that time. Uh, and your medical records are sealed. So really mysterious. They even got John McCain's assistant on the show uh, to talk about how she helped John Burroughs and helped to get his records corrected to show that, yes, he indeed did was in the Air Force during those times, but how they never could get his medical records. And she had talked about how this is something we usually did, worked with these uh, um, vets when they had problems with the VA administration. And this was the weirdest case she ever ran across. So a great Mm. episode. It's a great article on the History Channel around all of this. 
But uh, yeah, Burroughs' experience was so strange. It's still a mystery why his records were sealed like that. Yeah, that that has, I always thought that was so bizarre. Now I have not caught this uh, last episode. I, I'm planning on watching it. But so, are they actually tying uh, Rendlesham Forest in with the the nukes, or yes. is this just a separate? Because, no, because uh, we didn't they, know what what's happening. Well, because I know when you asked if you ever asked Charles Halt if there were nukes there, he said I I'm not going to answer that. Um, but they do you know, go into. I thought there. it was more or less. What's that? Well. But we already know, like I've said, we know there were nukes there. We know yeah. there were weapons there. And they do confirm that in the show and talk about that in the show, how there were nuclear uh, weapons okay. at the base. Um, mm-hmm. And that, in fact, you know, the uh, object they encountered, the, the bright light that went over the weapons storage area and beamed the uh, the weapons storage area where those weapons were held, they cover all that. Yeah. How about that? Wow. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting stuff. But you got a good point that those those weapons were unacknowledged for a long period of time. And like you said, I don't think to this day Halt will even t- go there. Right. I believe you're right. Last yeah. time I spoke with him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time for our first segment here. So thank you very much for joining us, Martin. You're very welcome. All of these headlines you can see on the front page of openminds.tv. But let's go ahead and get to our interview. And after this short break, we'll be back with Chuck Zukowski and Heather Taddy of Travel Channel's Alien Highway. So stay tuned. I'm very happy to welcome back to the show for the first time, Heather Taddy. Hello, Heather. Hello. And maybe for the umpteenth time, Chuck Zukowski. Hello. Chuck-y-Z. How you doing, Alejandro? <laughs> Chuck Z, like I like to say. But I want to start off saying that uh, the show is excellent, guys. I really like it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm, Thank uh, you. Yeah, you guys are great on it. Um I, you know, I, the first episode was Skinwalker, and I guess we'll start there. Uh, from what I saw in some of the material out there, Skinwalker was not planned to be the first episode uh, in the beginning. Is that true? Um, you want to take that, Heather? You want me to? Um, I don't know, know that I know the answer to that question. I, yeah. I, you, you take it. <laughs> okay, well, generally, um, they're, they're showing these episodes out of sequence. And how we how we shot them, mm-hmm. so um, it must be based on all the cool stuff that you know we you know we experienced in different states, and then how they're deciding to uh, to air them on the Travel Channel. So it it is kind of confusing where you know it'll say uh, Escape from Area Fifty One is Episode Eight, you know, where you know in in actuality that was our Episode Eight, that was the last one we shot, but you know um, they've they are going to or already shown that. So, so it's no, kind of mixed no, up. That's, and that, out that's of tomorrow. That's right. It's coming up tomorrow. I don't yeah. even know what's on anymore. <laughs> well, it's hard to know I, when they're mixing them up, which isn't necessarily bad. I think it was smart to do Skinwalker first, especially because uh, of the tie-in with uh, To the Stars and the A-Tip program, which you all covered. So I thought it was genius to, to have that one first and for you all even to do that and – be sure to tie it in with the government program and everything. Um, when we first started putting this program together, Rick Sassens, who actually 
worked with uh, Heather back in Paranormal State Days. Uh huh. Um, he's the you know the creator of the show. When he talked to me last year, he says, uh, "What do you want to do? What type of investigations do you want to do? Where do you want to go?" So I gave him like all these ideas, and one of them was the Skinwalker Ranch. But I said I don't want to go into the ranch because I hear there's a lot of stuff happening around the ranch. So we don't actually have to go in the ranch to experience what people you know are talking about. Isn't that right, Heather? We actually interviewed a Native American elder. And he told us about this incredible experience he had with a craft where another neighbor had seen the same thing. But basically, he saw this craft like above his house and he saw this red, red beam of light coming from it. And he said two weeks uh, after he saw it, he felt like constant elect- the constant feeling of electricity going through his body. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, I, I, I kind of was hoping they would put him in because he's a Ute, uh, a Ute Indian elder. What I really liked is when we were interviewing him, uh, the Ute Native American tribe actually has a word for UFO in their vocabulary. They have a uh, they have a word for for Bigfoot, you know, and it's not Sasquatch; it's whatever word in Ute language. But while I was talking to him, uh, they have they actually have a, a word for UFO and they have a word for alien, but Hmm. When I when I talked to him about the word for alien, he stopped. He says, uh, "No, I can't mention that on 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 camera. I can't I can't talk about that because you know um, he needed to get approval from the tribe council, you know, to be able to talk with us and and to discuss certain things, which you know, which was pretty cool. But the Ute American tribe has got." their own words for UFOs and aliens, which I thought was pretty cool considering it goes back generations and generations and generations. Mm-hmm. That is pretty interesting. Now, it seems like the show is tackling quite a bit. I mean, Alien Highway, uh, your background, a lot of uh, UFO and alien stuff, right? Yeah, and some ghost stuff. We got to keep Heather busy, too. <laughs> yes. Right. And so uh, that's where I was kind of getting at Heather. Uh, you know, we've we've talked exhaustively with Chuck <laughs> over the years, um, but you're someone that uh, you're new. This is your first time on the podcast, for instance, and your background is more of the paranormal ghost stuff, which is stuff Chuck and I used to do together back in the day. But I mean, uh-huh. um, not something that we're as well known for. Uh, how was it for you when you were approached in participating with something that had more UFO and alien stuff in it? I mean, were you open to it? Were you kind of like thinking, uh-oh, you're going to hook me up with some weirdo? <laughs> I mean, I was totally open to it because I, too, since I was young, have had an interest in this. It's not something I know as well as the paranormal or something I've pushed my my focus to studying as much. But it's definitely something that I wanted to you know, learn more about. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I was super pumped to join the team and, and I, I remember hearing about Chuck. I had read an article a long time ago about one of his, uh, cattle mutilations that he investigated. So I knew that he was like well-versed on this subject. So I was, I was excited to, to, you know, and I also knew that this, this show would take us to some pretty cool places. Right, and I'll give you that. I'll give you that fifty dollars I just bribed you with. Okay, <laughs> saying that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you're also a horror movie fan. What were What are some of your favorite alien horror movies? Oh, Alien. Um. Ooh. 
That's tricky. Um, I'd probably say Alien. The first Alien uh-huh. definitely is one high up on my list. But I mean, when I first got into horror movies, my the first film that really inspired me more than anything was um, 1978's Halloween. Mm. That's probably one of my all-time favorite horror movies. But um, as far as relating to Aliens, I'd say Alien. Mm-hmm. I definitely love all those movies. Which is pretty dang terrifying. It um, yeah, it really is. So what do you think is scarier, aliens or uh, or ghosts? Um, I would definitely say aliens because we don't really know what we're dealing with. You know, we're dealing with advanced technology and we don't know if we're, we as humans are even prepared to deal with, with something like this if it occurs. If, you know, aliens start invading Earth, like what do we do? You know, so that that's definitely more terrifying to me because mm-hmm. we don't know what they're all about you know? mm-hmm. and plus you i mean you've done so much paranormal investigation do you even get that scared now <laughs> looking when you're ghost hunting honestly no and it's something i've always been really brave about even when i was a teenager hmm. you know i would be leading my friends into these haunted aban- abandoned buildings and it for some reason i just always thought nothing could hurt me and i always i was always so intrigued by it that it never really frightened me i was always so fascinated so uh, I definitely, yeah, I did, especially now since I've been on so many investigations in so many different areas, it's just kind of like, I'm like, it's, it's, it's as if I'm desensitized from it now. <laughs> I, and I totally get it, because that's how I felt, you know, eventually down the, the way ghost hunting. Now, I've seen Truck just rolled up in a corner <laughs> crying out of fear. No, <laughs> just kidding. He's no, been pretty I, brave about this stuff. He saw me. <laughs> he saw me. <laughs> Well, um, and getting into that on the show. Okay, so the show's a lot of fun. Uh, of course, Skinwalker was really straightforward, and it's funny to see Chuck being so serious for so long. Luckily, uh-huh. um, in the trailers for upcoming episodes, you saw more joking around and stuff. Uh, and, and that's, you guys must be having, and it sounds like you have a pretty good rapport already. It's hard not to have a good rapport with Chuck. Uh, it sounds like you're having fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this whole experience has been fun from hanging out with Chuck and Dan to hanging out with our production crew. Like everybody vibes pretty well and we all have a really great sense of humor. So we've definitely had some some good laughs along the way. Mm hmm. So on these shows, a lot of time talking about getting scared about different things, uh, the crew often seem to be the ones who get the most frightened because, you know, they're not the paranormal investigators. So, uh, Have you been finding that out, or or is your crew kind of seasoned, or? I think our crew definitely is very, very seasoned. Uh, Doug Segal, who is the showrunner, actually produced three major motion pictures, and he's doing TV, and then Mitch Marcus, phenomenal director. And then our crew has been all over the world working for different people. Uh, Neil Fernandez, the head cameraman, I guess what they call him? Uh, director of photography. Yeah, director of photography. Just fantastic. But I got to tell you, um, and this is such a, a cute story. I mean, because we were in Missouri uh, shooting, and and we we're all blacked out, you know, uh, autos, uh, lights, and everything, so we can see if these balls of light show up. And I had um, my iPad uh, connected to my camera, so I was watching my iPad. And David, the sound guy, is beside me. Look, will you turn that thing off? I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> and and then what it was was I looked over and I'm going, really? And then I got thinking, oh, my gosh, the crew, I mean, they, they, they get so involved in what we were doing 
that uh, that it was really a lot of fun because they became uh, an extension of of you know our team basically too because they Robert or, or David caught some anomalies you know, on his microphone. We had a few or a couple of the different cameramen actually capture anomalies on their cameras too. So it was an extension of our team. And that that yeah, that's hilarious because he's a sound guy. And you're like, you're just getting the sound. What do you care about the light? But he's, you know, he's looking for for these balls of light, I guess, right? Exactly, exactly. But it was just, you know, at first I kind of, I kind of thought, what's going? on? And then I realized, my gosh, he's having, you know, he's into this. You know, uh, he's just not working, but you know, he's involved with this investigation. And that's how I think our team was. It wasn't like they were just like bored walking around. Okay, when's this going to be done? Everybody was, and and Heather can chime in on this too. But in my opinion, I the way I saw it, the whole team, and we had, including us, we had like twelve to fourteen people out there, and they were all just like so involved in our investigations. Yeah, I I I think everybody was excited about this subject, and there were even times when our camera guys in future episodes they catch stuff, and they're like we're doing something and we're not even ready to film yet and they'll see something and get so excited and hurry up and like turn on their camera to get it. Wow. That's fun. So how was this Heather, uh, compared to, you know, your previous work, uh, uh, on other shows? I mean, uh, with the, the more broad topics, um, what was the difference that you maybe picked up on? Well, with paranormal state, you know, we were going into families, homes, where, you know, they were terrified. They had something in their house they couldn't explain. Uh, there were kids involved. You know, they couldn't even, they didn't even feel comfortable sleeping in their house. So a lot of times it got really emotional going to a lot of those cases because even mm. when we'd leave, you know, we were college students and we'd have to think like, I wonder if this family got better. I wonder if, you know, they took what we, the advice that we gave them and they, you know, they're doing better. So it really like affected you in the long run. Whereas this, I feel like it's more, of an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like we're discovering new things. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I love doing both, but uh, this one's definitely more of an adventure and, and you're spending way more time outside and you have to think of wild animals, which I never mm. had to think of before. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, when I originally pitched the show um, and, and the reason why I went with Rick is because, you know, since the book it came out, the 37th Parallel, I must have been hit at least 18 times from production companies. Hey, we got this project you would be good for. Or we have this, we have that. Rick contacts me and goes, I want to do something with you, but what do you want to do? And I'm going, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, first off, I don't do green screens. So you can just, you know, and and I'm a field investigator, so I got to go. We talk to real people, real places, real investigations, and we run it like a real investigation. And you can ask Heather that when or even she can confirm this, that when you see us on TV interviewing, um, you know, the witnesses, we are actually interviewing the witnesses, the the, uh, the both directors. They say, OK here's the guys this is you know we of course we already know what's going on a little bit and then we go in and we interview them as 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 investigators so there's you know there's there's no script or anything you know we're doing it like a a field investigator would i think it's coming across that way at least from a few people that contact me going hey you know you're you're pretty good at reading cue cards (laughs) like you know um it's just we have a good crew and they're just letting us run an investigation and they're just there to document it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Which is fun. That's what was partially maybe, I, I may be biased, I guess, a little bit, and that I've been out in the field with you, and it does feel like that. I mean, I it felt like, you know, like we used to do with the uh, out there, it felt like, you, you know, okay, what do we do next? We found this. We, we So it did feel natural like that. I mean, it didn't feel staged. Um or that you were directed in your investigation, which I think is definitely. I know. And, and, you know, we were, some new stuff would pop up from time to time. And then we would, then we'd have to do a, a real quick, you know, camera, you know, something on the camera, just so, you know, we could do a transition, but that was it. Everything else was just totally ran like an investigation. And I really appreciated, you know, our directors uh, for letting us do that because uh, it came across, for me, very, very easy that there was certain, you know, well, there were some times where I had to say some certain words just because in their mind, you know, there was a transition and, and I'm still apologizing to, uh, to Heather, to, to Teddy Banks <laughs> for, for, for losing, losing my cool one day, just, be, mm. just because, you know, just because, on the last know, episode, oh my God, you know, but it's, too. Oh my gosh! You know, um, it's it's you know we we were pulling what 10, 11 hour days at least. Yeah, I mean wow. we were out on the road for like a month. You know. Yeah, it, and yeah. it was all snow. I mean, a lot of the places we were, you know, in less than thirty degrees worth of, of weather, and um, and then so uh, you know you just it, it's not that it just builds up, but you know you you want to make sure you do a good job. You want to make sure that you get the information out that you want to get the information out properly and. And, uh, and if you just happen to be driving in traffic and they want you to do that, um, it's, it's, it gets a little stressful. <laughs> right. So I want to ask you this, Heather, uh, and I mainly want to start with you because, you know, um, uh, well, I've talked more with Chuck, but also uh, to get a, a kind of an outsider perspective on this and, and someone who's uh -huh. been involved with the paranormal is this kind of weird situation we have ourselves in. Where, like in your first episode, you're referring to uh, Pentagon, you know, paranormal research. And uh, that's what I loved about your show, because a lot of people don't know that they did not just UFOs, but a whole gamut of paranormal research. Um, what is that like for you? Uh, how do you feel about that? You mean knowing that the Pentagon is studying this? Yeah, that the Pentagon has done this investigation, that you guys were looking at, you know, this ranch where they did some yeah. paranormal investigation. I mean, that's weird, you know, to have, like, we're where the government was doing investigation. Yeah, and it's crazy, too, when you think about Robert Bigelow. I mean, they, they basically had a laboratory in there for years studying mm -hmm. this, and you're wondering, like, what, you know, all these NASA people and these really intelligent scientists, like, they're taking time to study this, so they obviously think that something's going on. But, um, I mean, it was incredible, because I remember when that Pentagon, the New York Times story came out, it was, um, it was like a, that was a year before we started filming. Yeah. But, um, no, I was just really surprised, you know, mm -hmm. about it. Now, then, does it make you suspicious, or does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel positive that perhaps the government will start to take, you know, what you do more seriously? Definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, most people, when you tell them you do this, they're like, Oh, they just like laugh at you. So it is great to see all these stories and, and people like you doing these podcasts to get all the information out. But it also too, it made me really believe that Roswell was, was covered up in some way. Hmm. Interesting. Ooh. 
So what about you, Chuck? (laughs) I mean, now that, you know, uh, I think we took, talked early on of course we've had tons of discussions about Bigelow over the years and and you've had you know tried to get some analysis done with them and and things like this how are you you feeling about this kind of ongoing release of information uh, about what the Pentagon looked into you know I enjoy it because it's what it's doing is it's um, validating what we're doing Mm-hmm. As investigators and researchers, and and what you're doing with, uh, you know, open minds and and the UFO Congress, getting the information out to the public. Now the public is going, hey, guess what? Those guys aren't just crazy. The, but the Pentagon's been doing this. You know, they've been doing their own uh, research and investigation. Uh, just what last week you had. Uh, Three or four congressmen were briefed about UFOs from some Navy fighter pilots. And, and you know, so you're seeing more and more of this information go public. And the people are contacting me going, yeah, you know, I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I'm really happy. You know, I don't know if this is, um, you know, the, the beginning of, of, you know, releasing it all to the public. But it, it sure looks like it's a good start. Uh, you know, to uh, to get it out there that, you know, we've been visited forever, mm-hmm. pretty much. So uh, Lou Elizondo, who used to run the Pentagon program, has said, and um, others have backed this up, that, you know, they did look into, they were looking at Skinwalker, uh, and you guys do a great job, you know, covering what that was, but Skinwalker had a gamut of paranormal things going on there, and that's what they were looking at, lots of paranormal but according to them, religious factions, especially inside the intelligence agencies and the government, put the kibosh on that. They, they they felt it was demonic and that we shouldn't go there. And I think I find that fascinating. So the only thing that they were able to continue looking into was, you know, these, these military UFO cases. How do you feel about that? Uh, and let's start with Chuck. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, we have a Freemason symbol on our dollar bill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's the culture of this country. Yeah. And um, I, I do get emails from time to time, and just one recently where, you know, they're saying, you know, this one particular person saying, well, these, you know, these aliens that you're investigating, they're actually demons, uh, you know, or, or, or you know, um, angels from hell and on and on. And I said, well, you know, um, I don't know. I can't. I can't say yes or no to that. But you know, as far as I know, they're, you know, um, you could touch them. You could, you know, I mean, they're they're humanoid, and they're not, you know. Well, it's kind of hard to say without trying to get into religion <laughs> on a podcast. But basically, um, they're no different than us, other than the fact they're from another planet, or maybe they're from the inner planet. Who knows? But uh, we're just what we're trying to do is we're just trying to find evidence of what's out here and and I really don't care if there's there's four aliens or one species or 10 different species I just want to find one and we can go from there and try to understand what's actually going on out here but you're right I I've seen that and I'm not quite sure why when you get into the religious aspect they they kind of pull away mhm now heather uh, you know, aliens, people thinking aliens are demonic or something like that. That's one thing. That's a little harder for them to, to kind of, it, it's kind of more obscure because aliens are yes. aliens. But with what you research, you actually do look for demons or you do look for, for ghosts and, and other things like this. 
how did you feel hearing that, you know, this just isn't palatable for people inside of the government because of religious beliefs? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never really agreed with the theory that aliens are demonic. I've never just, like, how do you even prove that? It just seems, right. like you said, it's scary to me. For my studies and my experiences dealing with de- demonic phenomena, you know, usually with its, when it's with a person, it, it's not going to occur unless an individual grants permission for, you know, this, this to enter their life. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I mean, when I hear people say that, I'm just thinking maybe they're, you know, especially the government, you know, maybe they don't really have, they don't have an explanation for it. So they turn to maybe it's the demonics because they're not educated on the subject, I guess. That's well, a really good, that's a good point. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. Well, and it's unfortunate because, you know, regardless of what the phenomena is, if the phenomena exists, which, of course, you all believe that's why you're involved with it. And certainly I think there's something to it. That's why we need to look into it. Um, It's kind of concerning to think that, you know, the government and perhaps other, you know, major institutions um, will kind of lend a blind eye to something that I think is, is even science can be applied to in this day and age because of religion. Well, that and, and other things too. I mean, um, just within the last week or so, there in, in the Astrophysical Journal, uh, there are some scientists that looked at 1,300 stars closest to the Earth and found no obvious evidence of extraterrestrial life. And... What they were doing was what SETI's been doing for a long time. They've just been monitoring radio waves. Mm-hmm. And so you have a group of scientists, like you said, or a group of individuals first that will look at, at, at maybe the religious aspects of UFO investigations or aliens or whatever. Then you have another group of scientists that seem to think that, that we are still the center of the universe and everything and every other planet is going to evolve just like us, which is so, you know, 1400s, 1500s medieval thinking. It really is. So if you got a bunch of scientists out there that are that are looking for radio waves coming from other planets, they're assuming that the you know that those aliens evolved like us by using radio, and that's not the case. We don't know. You know, and I don't see as long as you've been doing this, Alejandro, and as long as I've been doing this, have we ever picked up radio waves from UFOs? Yeah, and I think that you make a great point because that sometimes science can kind of mirror religion. They they hold on to these concepts based on belief rather than evidence. Because kind of like what you're saying, we we have zero evidence that any other civilization out there would use the same technologies we've used in the past. Yet some of these scientists kind of hold on to that belief without the evidence. Yeah, and it really doesn't make sense. I mean, if you were a detective, uh, you know, uh, investigating a homicide and you you would go in there with the notion, well, this is how I would kill this person and I'm only going to look for evidence that way. You know how many <laughs> criminals would you know would right. be released or, or or you know they would never have been captured. So you can't do that, mm-hmm. and you have to uh, when it comes to UFOs. And you know this, um, and Heather's learning this even with with ghost investigations. Is you got to think way out of the box. We have to think about what type of evidence is being left and how we can find that evidence to validate 
the existence of UFOs or or ghosts at this particular location. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're essentially out of time. So let's go ahead and take a break right now, and then we'll be back with uh, Chuck and Heather of Alien Highway on the Travel Channel, an awesome new show. I really love the first episode. And uh, I I know it's going to get more and more fun as time goes on. So we'll be right back. Those of you listening on the radio, you'll hear a commercial break. Those of you listening to the podcast will hear a short musical interlude. We'll be right back. back you're listening to open mind gfo radio and i am here with chuck chucky z chucky zukowski and heather taddy of alien highway and uh during the break there we were talking about you know they i guess they wanted me to sing or something they were bored because they can't hear the music that you all hear but chuck you mentioned that you guys sang a lot (laughs) (laughs) we did you know because my truck is the cast truck and uh and and heather's in the band and 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 my son Daniel, who couldn't make it tonight because he just got back from Slovenia, uh, you know, working with the uh, National Guard here, um, that you know we were in a band also, and so we would sing, and it was it's actually kind of funny. Eventually, you know, the the, the, the they would turn the mics off because the rest of the crew didn't want to want to hear us sing. But uh, I think we we kind of hit everything from country western to to you know hard rock stuff really yeah i i remember um in december when we filmed an episode before christmas Uh, you guys were really into the christmas songs (laughs) oh yeah yeah because uh you know my family what we do is we get together for christmas and and we have all our equipment here uh, in the house so we just break out the the guitars and, and the drums and we just sing christmas songs and, you know, it gets everybody wow. in the mood. So we were doing that before Christmas. And we were stuck in the snow anyway most of the time. So, you know, we felt at home in it. <laughs> in Colorado. So did you get to visit his house during Christmas, Heather? No, but I did see a video of his yeah. Christmas light display. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> his crazy alien Christmas. He's the guy that has all the lights, you know, the neighbor who who's the one upper. Oh my gosh! Yeah, people. <laughs> I think they can go on Facebook and probably see pictures, right? Yeah, and you know what? And I'm just going to let you know, secretly, <laughs> I, some of those lights flash binary signals out there. You know, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's just if the whole Christmas light thing is just a ruse. Um, I'm actually communicating. <laughs> really? Have you gotten any responses? Just from the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are your a- are your a- neighbors aliens? <laughs> or or alienated <laughs> right they're definitely yeah. alienated so That's getting into much. your family so you have now uh this paranormal family it's hilarious because of course there's you then early on in your investigations you found that your sister debbie was into all of this she's been with move on for many many years she's a board member um which is about as high as you can get in move on now you've got your sisters who are helping out uh, move on as well. You know, one of them I spent the weekend with at Alien Con. She was running the table uh, there. Linda and your other sister helps her out often. And now you've got your son involved. Well, uh, both my sons and then my daughter. Uh, so I have I have two sons, Chuck and Daniel, and then my daughter, Ashley. 
uh, I think they just got involved involved by association because as they were growing up, I was doing UFO research and investigations. And then when, when we bought a, our first RV, we would go on vacation by way of Roswell, by way of Taos, by way of Aztec <laughs> or Dulce. And every time we went on vacation, I stopped the vacation, the, 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 <laughs> the route to the, to wherever we were going, I made sure that I was able to to pull off an investigation or two. So they just kind of, kind of got associated with that. Dan's been on some investigations with me in the past. My son Chuck has, and then and then Ashley also. So um, now with Heather here, you know, she's just like part of the family too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That second daughter you always wanted. Oh my God! One's one's bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is your kids probably were not happy. Uh, you probably got a lot of eye rolling and, Dad, come on, Dad. Well, the last episode um, when we were in New Mexico and we're all walking together and, and Heather and, and Dan and I'm behind them and we're walking through the woods um, looking for a cave. I think Dan was telling Heather the story about how, uh, you know, one one particular vacation, we hit all these uh, Native American, ancient Native American sites, and because what I was doing is I was looking for you know any type of pictographs or, or pictographs or or any you know anything that looked like that might be associated with UFOs, and they hated it and they called it the ruined vacation because we were hitting all these Native American ruins, and then later on in oh, life that's he, cute he, ruined he, vacation yeah and then later on in life as he got older he realized. Uh, you know, how much he actually learned from it and mm. that, you know, he was really happy that we did that. But, you know, with little kids, you know, yeah. um, they're like, really, we got to go to another Chaco Canyon? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Unless the kids get it aside and it's Disneyland, they really hate anything anyway. And then later in life, we realize, you know what, it was really cool when we went and looked at that stuff. I'm going to make my kids do it despite what they want to do. Well, oh, my God, a giant talking mouse. That's paranormal by itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's scary. So how has your family been, Heather, with uh, your your paranormal fame that probably kind of rubs up off on them and they get questions as well? Um, so I've always been super weird, even as like a child. <laughs> um, in third grade, my my like teacher called me an alien. He wouldn't even call me by my name. Really? He called me alien. Yeah, because I was just so different from everybody else and... I would always order the alien abduction books from like the the book club that we would get to order books from, and I guess no one else you know would order them. And I he just always called me an alien. And then I made up this whole story about the planet I came from, and I just I drew it out because I thought it was funny. But my parents, uh, they they think it's great. They think it's really cool to see me on TV, and I think they kind of always knew that I'd be doing something relating to TV because. Growing up, I was always filming things, and I always had a video camera in my hand. I was always documenting my life. So I think they always kind of knew I'd be doing something out of the ordinary. Well, that's cool. So it's kind of par yeah. for the course. It's kind of like you you made it to what you should be doing. Yeah, and they joke about it all the time. Like, it's it's funny. And how do they feel about the paranormal? Are they into it, or they just kind of roll their eyes and, and feel like it's your thing? Um, my mom is really scared of it and she's always like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, she's super terrified from it, but she likes seeing her daughter on TV. So that's cool. But my dad, he's really interested in it and he's actually had experiences when he was, uh, he was a truck driver for a long time. So he 
was always having experiences where he thought he would see UFOs. Hmm. That's so he's really he's really into it. That's funny because my sister is like that. She is so terrified of it all, especially the ghost stuff that she doesn't she she gets too scared to watch some of it. So I I can see that. It's funny how some people have that reaction this this you know utter fear and you probably run into that uh quite a bit you mentioned it earlier when you were doing a paranormal state but uh, did you run into that with the show you know people that were just kind of terrified from whatever they experienced or or witnesses that you talked to uh, there's one episode that it hasn't aired yet for alien highway where we did have a client that uh, was he was pretty terrified by by things that he saw and it, it actually kind of reminded me of a paranormal state episode that one i think is kind of last in the lineup but we actually did catch some pretty good evidence on that one too mm-hmm. yeah that's that he was that was that's going to be a really really good episode because there's a twist um to that episode and um anyway i'm not going to tell you any much more about it but uh Wow, we captured a lot of evidence there too, which which validates a lot of uh, what not only he saw, but uh, you know his neighbors around him saw too. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah. I hope hopefully we can do this again, Chuck. I, there's no doubt. I, I I'd imagine unless you get too big for us that you'll come back. But uh, Heather, hopefully too, uh, w- yeah. and we can talk about what happens in the episodes once the season's over. Um, but talking, you know, kind of more generally with the witnesses, I know for you, Chuck, and I would love to talk about this because I think, um, Heather, you probably no doubt have experience with this as well. But rapport building, um, you know, I think that's something that, uh, Chuck, you've definitely been good at, uh, but not other paranormal investigation organizations are like that. Uh, but I think it's pretty important. Uh, how much? How important do you think it is building rapport? Uh, I'd like to hear you know both of your perspectives when it comes to you know going on these in, uh, investigations. Well, it's it's like with with you know with law enforcement, uh, you know there's this there's different levels of how an officer handles things, and the first level is just appearance, just just the way they look and how they present themselves, and that's that's usually. What I try to do is, is you know, how you're dressed, your attitude, how you present yourself when you first meet, uh, you know, someone, a witness or, or client. And, you know, because it's always those first impressions that they're going to think about. And once you have a good rapport with just an initial uh, greeting, then then you can start peeling information away. Sometimes it may take a little bit to actually get, there was one episode where um, this particular uh, hunter had seen something and he would not go on camera and say what he saw because uh, you know, he's going to, people are going to think that he's crazy. And I, and I I talked with him for a a while and finally he opened up to, okay, yeah, I'm going to talk about it on camera. And I think a lot had to do with just not only talking to him and, and 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 letting them know that other people had seen the same things that he saw that made them a little more comfortable. So some of that rapport also experience, you know, uh, has to come into play too. You just can't do that, you know, on the first day of doing your first investigation with those experience at all. So what do you think about that, Heather? Um, I definitely say it, it is important to make them feel comfortable, and you know, make them know they're not the only person dealing with these experiences because. A lot of times you're dealing with people who are super scared, sometimes kind of unstable. So I think it's really important to 
get to know them, know them. And even with Paranormal State, you know, there are, there are a lot of times we did like extensive interviews. We did like two hour phone interviews before we would even decide to do a case um, because it really helped wow. us, you know, piece things together. But we were always interviewing uh, witnesses, previous owners, you know, people that had come in contact with this activity. So it was always um, really important to make them feel comfortable. And uh, that way, you know, and always don't always start the conversation with right away going into the paranormal. Like I would always make it a point to get to know them before we kind of dove into that so they can kind of get a feel of, you know, who I am. And then that makes them more comfortable opening up to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you break the ice. You find some way of breaking the ice first. If it's just something goofy, unrelated, you yeah. know, uh, like there was one, there was one guy that she was talking about. Uh, it turns out he, he drives a Dodge Ram. 1500 like i do and so when i met him for the first time i said oh you got a dodge 1500 just like mine what do you think about it and we went into talking about trucks for a bit and then eventually circled back into what you know what we were actually there for mm -hmm. awesome right so heather uh, i would i'm really curious to, about this because when you're doing TV, you know, it's sometimes it can be kind of scary whoever they're partner you up with because often you have maybe some to to know influence on, you know, who you're partnering up with. And uh, so you've just kind of got to trust the production company. What were your first impressions of Chuck? And uh, I mean, did you have reservations? And uh, and, you know, how did that go? Careful. I know where you live. <laughs> No, you don't. Hey, quit threatening. <laughs> no threats. <laughs> I'll find you. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because we, I remember, because I hadn't, you know, met Chuck until literally I met him in the hotel the first night we were, you know, the next, before we were supposed to film in like Missouri, I think was the first episode wow. we shot. So um, we had Skyped and I remember we Skyped for like two hours and just, we talked about, you know, our theories on the paranormal and I got to know him a little bit. And I, I didn't really ha honestly have any reservations because I knew that he had been a police officer. So right away I was like, he ha he's serious. You know, he has, I know he has good investigation skills. Um, so that was something that I thought about um, a lot. But no, I, didn't, I honestly didn't have any reservations. And I feel like we kind of hit it off right away. Like even with Dan, I just feel like we all kind of meshed. Like it's, it's amazing when the, when the production, you know, these casting directors think of people to pair up with and it just we just click mm -hmm. so they did a good job although you know chuck he he can get along with practically anybody practically practically but you know when i found out that that heather playing the band and okay it was like a grunge band but that's okay i listened to that too <laughs> <laughs> but you know the fact that she plays bass and, and i thought you know wow cool all you know already other than you know dwelling in the unknown we had something in common that was outside unrelated to that mm -hmm. which uh you know which really helped out which was the first episode that was shot oh is that uh is that the one coming up is that missouri mayhem coming up um the town one yeah i think that one's later in the lineup oh yeah you're right the the town one is coming up the Right, that's the Missouri mayhem. So um, the, that's probably coming up about the I don't know somewhere. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and know, then which was the like where was Skinwalker <laughs> in the filming? Was that towards the beginning or in the middle? 
Oh my gosh, that was like the beginning of February. We filmed that, right? Till yeah. early. Yeah, because after after Utah's one, we went over and filled uh, filmed Tonopah, which is coming up tomorrow. Mm. Actually, that was afterwards. Um, gosh, it was like I think California, I think Utah Arizona, was Tonopah. like fourth. Yeah. Third yeah, or I think fourth. it was fourth, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. curious, just because the feel to Skinwalker was pretty serious, um, was that because it was early on or because of the nature, the, the kind of gravitas of the, of the location? It was because what we, what we experienced and what we saw. Yeah. And I don't think it had anything to do with what, you know, if it was the first episode we shot or the last one. Um, and I'll, I'll let Heather talk about this too a little bit, but you know, as an investigator, the lights in the sky, that was totally uh, something I wasn't even expecting. I was expe- I'm looking for evidence on the ground and I hear the lights, you know, the sky lights up and there's a beam coming up and uh, oh my gosh. And then we have to worry about, you know, what's, what's in the cemetery and, and what, what's gone through the cemetery and, and what we captured on, on our own, uh, you know, uh, game cameras. But there was just so much going on there. It was it was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Heather. What do you think? Yeah, there really wasn't, especially when we're in the cemetery, because we're hearing gro- we're hearing hearing a growl. Dan is way up on this mountain. We see this crazy light behind him, and he doesn't know where it's coming. He knows it's coming from a, another ridge behind the first ridge, which that is Skinwalker Ranch. And then, uh, yeah, so it's just like we're all kind of separated, and all these things are happening, and. It, yeah, and then the can the the on the trap cams the wolf like we totally didn't expect to see that. No, no, yeah. that that was just crazy. And then some of the evidence never made it. We actually picked up a little bit of a conversation huh, on one of our cameras in the cemetery. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the one um, facing the cemetery that we yeah, one facing, to a tree, right? Yeah, we're right in the middle of the cemetery. It was facing. Uh, yeah, we picked up a little bit of a conversation. So uh, you know, these like are some these EVP are, type of activity. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we did pick up. We got a couple of good EVPs that are going to be popping up too in oh, the yeah. show. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, awesome. Heather stepped up, stepped up her game, and uh, we got some good <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty excited about that. She stepped up her ghosty calling. Well, you know. <laughs> What I really like about having Heather on a team is, I mean, the whole reason why I got involved in ghost investigations or spirit investigations, what do you want to call them, um, is because I needed to know the difference between someone who claims they were being abducted by aliens and some that are actually there's a haunting or Hmm. spirits in their house. So that's the whole reason I actually got into that. So having Heather there, it's just like I don't have to think about it. You know, it's like, okay, what do you think? You know, is there and there's one episode where it's it's a combination of both, and that was that's one of my theories that I've been kind of toying with for the past couple of years. Where if you really think about it, Alejandro, you uh, we look for ghosts using EMF meters, so there's an electromagnetic field that that's associated with it. But we also use EMF meters when we have UFO sightings, right? So uh, if if there's a large EM presence, EM field presence somewhere that could that's maybe being associated with UFOs, that could attract ghosts. Mm-hmm. And maybe versa visa. If the if aliens saw this large signature, uh, EM signature, they may go, "Hey, what's going on there?" And then they so all of a sudden now you have a combination of both. And one of our episodes that occurred. Mm-hmm. What other phenomena do you all look for in the show? So we've got ghosts, we've got UFOs, <laughs> you know, aliens. You had the wolfy guy show up, kind of 
what other things uh, do you hunt for and or, you know, experience in the show? Do you want to take that, mm. Heather? Um, I got to think for a minute on that. It's kind of so, lifting well, off topic. Like, do you go look for Bigfoot or? Well, I mean, okay. You know, the, uh, the episode tomorrow is, you know, an informant relays a story of an alien that reported escape from Area 51. Basically, mm. that's why we're in Tonopah, because we're, we're looking for a creature. It could be an alien or it could be an offspring of the alien or it could be something associated with the alien or it could be a separate creature. So we've kind of went from UFOs to uh, skinwalkers to creature investigations uh, we haven't hit Bigfoot yet, but there was an opportunity in Missouri when we were there. It, but literally, just we just ran out of time. There was so much going on that we couldn't do that. And there was even a, a, a Mothman type sighting, in you know near the area, one of the areas we were doing an investigation. But they referred to to it as Batman rather than Mothman. So um, we kind of touched that a little bit, but we just didn't have the time to to further that investigation. And then we have you tell me. <laughs> that's that's a joke between me and Heather. You'll 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 you'll, you'll understand when you see one of those episodes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so and then you definitely look for ghosts. Um, and did you do any cattle mutilation kind of investigations or? Oh well, oh my gosh, coming Forgot up. Forgot about this one. Did you say oh my up. gosh? <laughs> Coming up on July 3rd, the day before July our 3rd. Independence Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the Gravel Channel. On the Gravel Channel. Murder on the Prairie. <laughs> a series of mysterious animal deaths and UFO sightings brings Chuck to Colorado. Yay, I'm here in my home state. Back home. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, we do, we do one on animal mutilations awesome. or strange animal deaths. Well, we are out of time. This was a ton of fun getting to know you guys and, and to talk about the show, I want to say, you know, I was so delighted because as you guys know, you know, it's really hard working uh, with these different production companies. I kind of feel, you know, that the majority of them just don't get it. You know, when you're trying to do research, they want to do their own exciting thing. And so it's scary and you never know what you're going to come up with. But I'm so happy that this show has turned out so well. I think it's great. Um, I'm really excited for you guys, and I hope that it's super successful. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank, thank you all. You. Oh, and by the way, our second episode, we got the highest ratings for Wednesday night. Really? Uh, Travel Channel, yes. Yeah, so awesome. We're, so and we're pretty excited about that. And thank you for having us on, and thank you to all your listeners, too. For uh, sure. I really appreciate sharing our information. And Chuck, you know me well enough that if the show was kind of cruddy, that I would not be raving about it. Not only that, you wouldn't have me on. <laughs> <laughs> or you wouldn't have invited me to Congress, too. <laughs> no, well, I would have been uh, wanting to help you promote it, but I wouldn't have been so excited about it. But uh, I'm, I'm really glad you're excited. I'm super excited to have Chuck Zukowski at the UFO Congress, too. So uh, we'll see you there. And I hope that, yeah, after the season's over, we can all catch up again and talk about some of your exciting adventures, including all of the amazing stuff that you captured at Skinwalker. Definitely. Yeah, maybe after after the, the series is over, then we can go back and we can talk about all the fun stuff yeah. that we couldn't talk about. We'll do that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, thank, thank you, you, Alejandro. We'll talk to you later. 
Thank you so much to Chucky Z and Heather T of the Travel Channel's Alien Highway. So, pretty good show. You got to check it out. It's on, let's see here, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. That is Pacific. So, Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Pacific on the Travel Channel. Unless you're like me, I stream anything, everything, I mean. So, you can go uh, online and use Sling or whatever you use to watch it. And, in fact, I think they have some episodes on their uh, website too on the Travel Channel website so you can check them out there but uh, so great to talk to my good friend Chucky Z again and to meet someone new Heather Taddy so she was really cool that was a lot of fun so check out their show it's a lot of fun also I also want to thank Martin Willis uh, for helping us out with the beginning of the show and talking about the news Uh, you can check out Martin at Podcast UFO, and also all those news headlines we talked about, you can find at openminds.tv. So go to the openminds.tv and you'll see them on the front page there. So you can uh, get caught up. There's a lot more headlines there too that we're uh, not even able to get into at the beginning of the show. So check those out. And then you can also follow us all over. We're all over. If you go to Open Minds or Alejandro Rojas on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you'll also follow us uh, or find us on all of those areas too and be able to follow on a regular basis. In fact, I'm pretty active on Twitter and I post quite a bit on Facebook as well. Uh, Mostly just keeping you guys up with the news and the headlines. So check that out. And of course, the UFO Congress is coming up. It's going to be so much fun. We have a lot of great people who are going to be speaking there. Of course, Kevin Day is someone that's uh, signed up recently, or at least we've announced recently. He was a radar operator uh, on the Princeton during the Nimitz encounters. Uh, Also, James Fox is going to be there. And he's going to be giving us some exclusive uh, insight and looks into clips of interviews he's done. And uh, we'll see if we could get some more information over time. But he's interviewed some really cool people for his upcoming documentary. So this is going to be a ton of fun, too. So there's a lot of great stuff. Go to UFOcongress.com to check out some of the cool people that we're going to have there. It's going to be the uh, heart of downtown Phoenix. So this is going to be great. And I love you know, doing these sort of things right in the downtown area because it's just really bold. We're literally right next door to the media. Uh, we'll probably have a big media presence there. And it's just big and bold saying, hey, this is a, a real thing here. And this is a 28th annual event. And, you know, you all have only really gotten interested in all of this in the last week or a few weeks. And, and by that, I mean you all, the media. So come and join and, and see what this is all about. And, uh, uh, and talk to people who have been looking into this stuff for uh, decades in some in some instances, including my own. So hopefully we'll see a, a lot of media there. I'm sure we will. We usually do. But uh, the Congress is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, also, this weekend, I'll be in Roswell. So hopefully some of you can make it. Uh, of course, they have an annual festival out there that commemorates the the uh, crash of a mysterious object in the desert in 1947 outside of Roswell, more closer to the town of Corona, New Mexico. And so that's always a lot of fun. We'll be at the museum. I'll have a table there. I'll be doing several talks. So that's always a lot of fun. If you can make it, it's certainly kind of a mecca for people interested in UFOs. It's something that you have to at least try once. So if uh, this is your year to go for the first time, come by and say hello. 
always love to talk to the listeners and, and say hello and answer any questions that you all have. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun to see some of our good friends. Don Schmidt, of course, he's the uh, president of the board for the museum, uh, the Roswell Museum. It's always good to see him out there. And a lot of our other good friends usually do talks out there as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Check out the UFO uh, Festival is usually what they go by. In fact, I think that's the website, just ufofestival.com. Certainly, if you Google UFO Festival Roswell, you're going to find the website for everything going on there. So hopefully we can see you there as well. Otherwise, we've got more exciting interviews coming up, so we should have another exciting one this week. Uh, if you are a Patreon patron, by the way, thank you, Patreon patrons, for, for helping out. But if you do follow me, me there or on social media, I'll let you know I have a really good interview in store. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen next week or the week after, but it's something unique, uh, something that really I don't think anybody else has that you're going to love. So keep an eye out. Uh, on the social media for who that is and hopefully we'll get that uh, able to be recorded and, and slid in there next week so a lot of cool stuff on the horizon and uh, thank you all so much for listening thank you to caleb hanks for the opening and close music systematics for the bumper music and of course thank you all the listeners for being here until next time adios muchachos